Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss an annual ICS report to cut to the Gordian OT. Next up, the Conti and the Restless. An update to CSA's alert. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 114, recorded on March 14th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, beat him to the punch, LaBelle, with me co-host, Tim, taking care of business, carrying the OT, helming, and uh, last but not least, Taylor, I'm down with IOCs, yeah, you know me, Alex Pierce. Um, now, Tim... Did I sing the tune you were expecting there? Because I'm not sure if I if I just yeah, that was some some Bachman Turner OT. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Totally approved. All right. Good to hear. Um, which Tim denoted by a uh, an eighth note, if if I am not mistaken, on our outline. So that's that's when I know when to sing things. Um, Thank goodness you can now write music with emojis. <laughs> If that's not what's wrong with today's youth, I don't know what is. <laughs> you mean that they do or that they don't write music with emojis? That they do write music with emojis. I've just decided now that I'm in my 30s, I can be a curmudgeon. That's the cutoff, right? I think I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Okay. And the, I mean, it's fun, isn't it? Like, welcome yeah. to the club. <laughs> You're only as old as you feel. Oh, well then I feel like so I'm in my 60s. A lot longer than my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the pandemic has really sped up the, the curmudgeon in me. Like, um, yeah, that's that's spread quicker through my body than I would like to Are admit. Are you finding yourself yelling at anyone to get off your lawn at all? <laughs> this seems like a fun quiz to take. <laughs> Do you find that you yell at children to get off your lawn? Um, I think about it. I'm not there yet. Um, it sounds like something that could be a drug side effect. Side effects may include telling children to get off your lawn. <laughs> Moodiness, drowsiness. Restless leg syndrome. <laughs> yep. Yep, that sounds about right. If children are running on my lawn, I'm like, good. They're taking the deer poop that's all over it with them. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, life in the suburbs. Well, welcome back, team. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Always fun to be here. Excellent. Well, we've we've got some stuff to talk about this week. Um, you know, just just want to say this up front: the amount of time we spend talking about what's happening in Ukraine is not proportionate to how devastating and how urgent that situation is. So we'll probably kind of um, tease in and out of that if we have something helpful to say. Uh, but otherwise, we know that you're getting a lot of coverage, probably in a number of other sources that you're reading, listening to, seeing, et cetera. So just wanted to put that out there up front. And with that, let's cut to our first article and discussion for today, which is an annual ICS report to cut the Gordian OT. So this past week, Dragos, um, which who is an ICS vendor, released their fifth annual edition of the ICS OT report. And that's looking back at the year 2021. So, Tim, I mean, I, th I think you know some stuff about about 
Dragos. Um, And so I'll just ask you, what historically has Dragos included in these annual reports? And taking a step back, what what is Dragos? And what is ICS slash OT, as people might see around the interwebs? Yeah, well, I'm going to take that stepping back part first to kind of set the scene for everybody. So if you step the furthest back of what you were talking about, uh, let's talk ICS and OT. So ICS is Industrial Control Systems. OT is Operational Technology. Those are used interchangeably quite a lot. And both of those terms refer to the network-connected control systems for physical facilities. So power generation and distribution, utilities like water and sewer, manufacturing plants, that kind of thing. So all those kinds of facilities use networked monitoring and control of their machinery. And that network is the OT environment. And there's a very natural impulse if you're in InfoSec but haven't worked in an ICS OT environment to say, well, as long as that OT environment is air-gapped, you're all good. But uh, just as Gandhi said about Western civilization, my favorite quote, it's a very nice idea. Um, that's the, that's kind of the same, same concept as air-gapping OT. You know, it's not really... Uh, air gap like that. And that's not because the people that are running those facilities are lazy or incompetent or anything like that. Uh, the reality is there are places where there has to be some permeability in the boundary between the IT and OT environments. And can that lead to problems? Yeah, of course, but that's a reality. So now Dragos, uh, sort of an iconic company in the ICS security space and its CEO, Robert M. Lee, is known to most of us in this business, um, and for good reason. I mean, Rob absolutely, totally eats, breathes, and sleeps this stuff. And he has built up a really amazing team that feels that same way. Um, I Yes, I spent some time there at Dragos, and these are folks that are not messing around. They have a, a deeper understanding of these control systems than, uh, in some cases, the manufacturers themselves do, um, because they've got just incredible reverse engineering skills and whatnot. And all of that goes a long way toward being able to make recommendations on how to secure them. So um, what you see in this report, so every year they do a year in cybersecurity, a year in review from the previous year, and there is a ton of work that goes into those reports. So I highly recommend taking a look at them. But um, uh, with all of that um, deep understanding that they have on on all of this, what you see in the report is the output of their research teams. Um, They focus on things like what vulnerabilities are being exploited. Uh, And by the way, you can't just go off the published CVEs for ICS devices because there are a lot of errors in those. So the Dragos team goes, does a lot of grooming of the vulnerabilities. So they also develop intel on actor groups that focus on critical infrastructure. So, and they have a naming scheme that is derived from special alloys that are used in industrial manufacturing. So you see, when you see the names like Costavite and Camasite, they're not actually making up those words. They're just these kind of cool, obscure alloys that most of us have never heard of before. Very interesting, Tim. Thank you for for giving us that context there with where, where this report is coming from and specifically to look out for that that terminology. And I'm curious, what are some of the, the events that Dragos and their team highlighted on, they have a timeline feature in the report and 2021 was a big year. So what did they highlight there? Yeah, well, not in chronological order, but of course the ones everybody knows about 
uh, are the Colonial Pipeline and JBS Foods ransomware events. And a lot of people probably also remember the Oldsmar Municipal Water System that was that water system in Florida. Uh, so that breach was, um, you know, made, made the news quite a bit. So a lot of folks knew about that. But there are other events on their timeline that I think are notable, um, but maybe a little less known. So for example, there was a breach of Honeywell, which many people will know is a significant manufacturer in the ICS space. So they make, you know, programmable logic controllers, PLCs, and other many, many, many other kinds of control systems. Um, And so, you know, the breach seems to have been fairly limited in scope, but still, you know, that's an attention grabber. And they did track a lot of new activities from some of the existing actor groups that they already knew about, as well as identified a couple of new ones. <sighs> Son of a breach. Yeah. Um, definitely worth looking at there for, for people who are interested. And we've actually linked this report, um, as we always do in our show notes on domain tools dot com backslash resources backslash podcast if you'd like and, to, and, to dig in oh sorry oh go sorry, ahead go ahead don't mean to interrupt i was just gonna say you know like i'll put in a plug for it like don't be put off by the slick production values and they are it's really really super awesome looking and, and well uh composed but um unlike some cases that you know, everybody's seen in the past where the slick production values are sort of masking the fact that there's not a lot of substance. There is a ton of substance in this one. So uh, so don't be put off by that. And there are no pew pew maps. Pew pew. Well said, Tim. And according to the report, I'm just curious, what are some of the top challenges the ICS OT industry needs to address, according to Robert Emily and Co.? Well... Remember what I mentioned earlier about those errors in the CVEs? So the vulnerabilities in the ICS or OT space are a huge challenge uh, and for a variety of reasons. So for one thing, uh, there are a lot of them that don't have patches available. And when a patch is available, one of the things a lot of folks don't realize is that in OT world, you can't just simply apply the advice patch early and often. Um, applying patches in those environments can be very, very different from in IT. And a busted patch, and those do happen, can fully bring down an environment with at least business consequences, if not safety consequences. Um, And just simply shutting down systems so that you can do the patch, that can be risky or very hard to do as well. And then add into that the challenge of visibility into these environments where you can have tens or hundreds of thousands of devices Some of them are in remote locations with very, very limited connectivity. You know, you can't just send a patch down a 28K line to a remote pump station and just hope for the best, right? So patching in OT is no kidding hard work and uh, visibility into all of your assets is too. So there are a lot of visibility gaps. And um, coming back to something I touched on earlier, there are a lot of OT environments that have connections to the IT side of the house or even directly to the internet. So that is a big challenge too. It's an attack surface that is um, enormous and challenging. An attack surface to be managed. Yes. Um, interesting. The report also covers security controls that are most effective for enhancing ICS OT networks against threats. Can you speak to these? If I remember right, I think there were f- five security controls that they highlighted here. 
So uh, this part of the report will sound more familiar to those of us whose time is mainly or exclusively spent in IT rather than OT. And hopefully I'm, I'm sort of covering those five. I'm not just going to list them off. But basically, um, you know, network segmentation, uh, creating, architecting your environment um, in ways that tip the odds more in your favor than in the, in the attacker's favor, I guess I would say. Um, and, uh, you know, strong authentication, strong security around remote access, um, good password practices, uh, improving monitoring and asset visibility, um, and doing practical management of vulnerabilities and patching, you know, where practical acknowledges those challenges to patching that I was talking about right uh, earlier. And it asserts correctly that if you have many of these other pieces in place, then those vulnerabilities are a lot less likely to bite you if you can't uh, practically patch them. So there's a lot of work that went into those recommendations, um, a lot of familiar territory and, you know, things that are just good reminders for those of us, even if we're not in the OT space, just good, solid foundational stuff. Yes, indeed. And something that I think is fascinating about the times we're living in is that a lot of these reports that are reflecting on the year before, it seems like you know, we're living in unprecedented times. The joke, the meme going around the internet right now, of course, is like, I can't wait to live in precedented times again. Uh, but there's a lot of things, whether it be the global pandemic, what's happening right now in Ukraine, that are having potentially major impacts on the trends or or what are highlighted in reports like these by Dragos. So I am curious, what impact do you expect to see when Dragos comes back and runs this same report for 2022 with all of that in mind? Well, first off, I'm, I just want to stop a moment and talk about the unprecedented times because, you know, here's what I think. This is my, my assessment of the nature of the universe. Uh, ready? So I'm, I'm starting to really think that the people who say we're living in a simulation are, are correct. And what I think, though, is that you don't hear as many people saying this, but basically the simulation is being run by the in that world, uh, in that sort of dimension of time and space or whatever, by the equivalent of a 12 year old boy. And, you know, he's just, he's just wants to mess with stuff. So he like cranked, he cranked the entropy dial up to 11. And it's like, all right, now let's check this out. This is going to be awesome. You know, this is the kid that, that like fries ants with a magnifying glass, right? That's who's in charge of the simulation. I'm convinced of it. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I, I okay. Think, oh. I think Tim, that rather than it's a twelve-year-old, I think that the simulation is running on like an unpatched box somewhere and it's been forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. that to me seems more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's good. running on Windows XP. Yeah, whatever their version of yeah. <laughs> no, no. Windows ninety-eight. It's what's running on Microsoft Bob. Oh <laughs> my god. Well, we've got it here, folks. You know, forget about the, uh, you don't need to keep reading Stephen Hawking and uh, <laughs> Brian Green. Uh, I mean, they're, they're great reads, but, you know, I think we've nailed it here as far as understanding yeah. the nature of the universe. So back to what's Dragos going to say in their report next year. So, I mean, I didn't realize we were doing the year in review in advance. And it is hard to try to guess at this, um, but I will say, uh, to set the scene for, for this answer. So we saw less overt cyber warfare type activity in the beginning of the invasion. 
And I think maybe that's still true, at least as of right now while we're recording this. Um, less of this than what people expected, maybe. Joe Slowick uh, wrote a great analysis of this, um, some of which is conjecture, but uh, he acknowledges, he always acknowledges when it's conjecture. And you could take a lot of Joe Slowick's conjectures as practically facts anyway. But the essence of it was that the shifted timeline of the invasion, remember it came a few weeks later than a lot of the intel assessments were saying, uh, that meant that some of the coordinated cyber plus kinetic act, uh, attacks that were expected were not able to be coordinated that way. So to answer your question, I think there are a lot of potential uh cyber events that Russia still has the ability to launch and they, for whatever reason, they're kind of keeping them in their back pocket for now. Um, but it's also possible that their cyber capabilities are being mitigated or even actually degraded possibly by groups like that uh, Ukraine cyber army and uh, even maybe anonymous and other groups. So it's, it is super hard to predict, I guess is basically I'm, I'm just copping out. <laughs> Unacceptable, Tim. Um, we actually only have you as a co-host here, so you can predict in future with 100% certainty what is happening. So I'm pretty, pretty. I'm oh, not wow. mad. I'm just disappointed, honestly. You know. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense and a great call out for Joe Slowick's work there. Um, man, I keep waiting can for I, you. Oh, go ahead, Taylor. Oh, I was going to say that the, one of the things I love about the Dragos report is the kind of year over year change benchmarking they let you tag like toggle through pretty quickly. Definitely, like the this report is just it's it's uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's really well put together. This Breaking Badness episode sponsored by no, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all organic praise. Reporting um, scheme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Um, I know it is, it's incredibly challenging to predict there. And Joe Slowick and Robert M. Lee are great people to keep an eye out for their perspectives here. Um, and we'll do our best to, to continue to bring folks like them into the podcast. And, and really, finally, here before we wrap up this discussion around the report, is there anything else that you found useful, surprising, or shocking? Well, I guess nothing shocking, but maybe that's because I spent some time in that world. So maybe a little harder for me to, to be shocked by this stuff. But a huge amount of what you'll see in the report is helpful, even if you're not in the OT world. The recommendations, like I was saying, are in many ways applicable to folks in IT. I guess I will say that I found some of the stats, just like uh, um, I'm going to mention some uh, to illustrate what... Um, Taylor was saying a second ago about year over year. Some of the stats around vulnerabilities were a little surprising to me. Some of that in a good way, by the way. So for example, the percentage of vulnerabilities that don't have any practical mitigation has gone down versus the last two years. So it was 76% in 2019. Think about that for a second. 76% of vulnerabilities don't have any practical mitigation. Are you kidding me? That was 2019, 64% in 2020, and 19% in 2021. Now, I firmly expect that, that that number is going to fluctuate. It'll go back up again at some point, uh, almost certainly. But I thought that was really good to see. And so also a little mind-boggling or mind-bottling, if that's what you like to say, uh, was the, uh, the percentage of vulnerabilities that Dragos assessed as less severe than the public advisory was 97%. So 
you know, I know that Rob, uh, Rob Lee spends a lot of time saying that, uh, while there are absolutely threats and they're serious, uh, there are also a ton of ways in which we're less vulnerable than some of the hand-waving suggests. So it's, um, it's very complex. It's, you know, there's, as the big Lebowski said, there's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, uh, a lot of what have yous in all of this. So there's my assessment. Ah, <laughs> uh, the big Lebowski. That, that actually, doesn't come actually, up that, as much as that wasn't the big Lebowski that said that. It was, you know, the small Lebowski. Images, <laughs> but anyway, it applies. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Tim. I, I think with that, let's let's rate this. And this is a little trickier um do you want to think about hoodie ratings which again are that zero to ten scale ten hoodies very bad zero hoodies not not bad pretty neutral um in a way to describe the severity of whatever discussion we're having and the the ten the hoodies represent the number of defenders that of course wearing hoodies as hackers do um it takes to resolve or mediate defend etc so with that in mind do you want to think about what this says, what what the reporting on 2021 says about what we're up against in 2022, is that a healthy way to look at these hoodie ratings? Yeah, I, I was trying to, I was sort of struggling with how we're going to calibrate to this. So I, I guess I, the way I would do it is kind of what you're saying, like where have, have things gotten worse, have things gotten better? Um, and that's really mixed. You know, I think maybe the way to think about the hoodies in this particular case is a little like the DEFCON level, not the security conference, but like the, the guys in the bunker in Colorado, DEFCON, right? So what DEFCON level are we at? Um, and the uh, the DEFCON scale, five is good, one is war. Uh, but the, for the hoodies in this case, I'll say the opposite, like 10 hoodies means civilization is collapsing under all of these uh, ICS vulnerabilities and attacks and one or zero means we live in a makeup fairyland that <laughs> doesn't actually exist. I, I'm going to say we're at like four hoodies if, if you assess it in that particular way, which I'm not saying everybody needs to do, but that's where I am. Yeah, that makes sense, Tim. Um, and Taylor, um, that's a difficult one to top. <laughs> would you, would you like yeah. to use a similar approach or framework for your rating here? Uh, I mean, look, first off, 10 out of 10 goodies for the, uh, like the, the state of the report, like the report is just so great. To yeah. Work yeah. hundred percent yeah. um, agree with that. I can't get over that. Like how you like the navigation, the year over year changes, uh, it, it's, it's really cool. I'd, I'd like to see kind of more like this if we're going to be doing year in review stuff. I, I you know, I, I, from a, Hoodie rating at four seems fine, I suppose. It's um, it's an overview. It's it's just interesting to look through the past year and then get to the very end. You're like, oh yeah, there's this big thing and that big thing and print nightmare and then log 4J at the end of the year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, by the 2021, way, 2021. Yeah, the the year that the, the gift that kept on giving. And <laughs> Happy holidays. Right. <laughs> um, so that, that timeline was, uh, I don't know, that tickled me to a degree. But great report. It's, it's fascinating. Glad it tickled you, Taylor. <laughs> that has to be one of the most underused phrases in the English language. It's just, it, 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 it's so graphic. You know exactly how somebody feels when they say something tickled them. Um, which, speaking of, on a disturbing note, 
if anybody has ever seen that tickle documentary whoo yeah it don't, is oh man bad it's rough it's yeah. dark it is not how it seems um, but they actually use domain tools in that documentary i think um for to try to identify the... oh i forgot about that you're right though and yeah, yeah i haven't seen that i'm not not sure i will but uh, you never <laughs> know I wouldn't. I wouldn't add that or layer it on top of the dumpster fire that is the world right now. It's probably mm-hmm. not what we need, <laughs> considering yeah, how assessment. terrible things are. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's pivot here into our second article, which is the Conti and the Restless. So, the title of this episode, by the way, is "Domains of Our Lives." And so we're just we're just kind of on a soap opera spree today. I didn't really catch it with the first article, but that's where these puns are coming from. In case you're like, what? I don't know what these are. Um, but last week, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, updated their alert on Conti ransomware to include IOCs used in malicious operations. So Taylor, before we talk about the IOCs and the updated alert. Is there any other news um, from CISA this past week? Yeah, a couple of CISA-related news tidbits. Uh, one, they uh, it looks like they're going to get a nice big boost in funding in 2022 over 2021. Uh, so they're going up to $2.6 billion for CISA for the year. So an extra $568.7 million. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, it looks like that funding is not going to go to waste. There's also going to be more mandatory reporting around breaches uh, for organizations to report things to CISA uh, in a timely fashion. Very nice. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. We could have a whole other discussion around that legislation. But for the sake of time, we're going to focus today on the updated alert. And before we talk about the update, what was the original content that was featured there? Yeah, so this is a an ongoing uh, kind of report from the CISA folks. Uh, it is uh, alert AA21-265A uh, <laughs> that is on the Conti group. This was first published in September of 2021 uh, in response to a leak of the playbook of the Conti Ransomware Gang's playbook from a uh, a jilted affiliate <laughs> who maybe didn't get paid uh, what they thought they ought to get paid. So they, they started publishing the first internal playbooks uh, that then got translated and kind of worked their way into uh, the defender side back back in the day. <laughs> long, long time ago in September of 2021. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was when the uh, initial report was published and then they have been adding to it. Most recently, this past week, they added uh, 98 IOCs, domain indicators, uh, and uh, they've been able to tie that to around 70 or so unique IPv4 hosts that look to be dedicated for this type of thing. Yeah, and Taylor, you you already put a plug in here, but uh, Conti has gotten a lot of airtime on breaking badness, especially the leaked yeah. chats last week, and then we talked about those again very briefly the week before that. So. Um, is there any supplemental information you'd like to share to our audience to better understand and contextualize the IOCs that you just mentioned that CISA shared in this alert and why they may or may not be helpful? Uh, yeah, you know, from like indicator whack-a-mole, I don't know. They, they all look to be inactive at this point uh, within our data set. So it doesn't look like they're uh, currently active to us, although uh, this is domain land. So if they 
drop out of the zone and get re-registered. I'm sure, I'm sure it's possible that could happen. Uh, but again, they, they published a list of about 98 domains, all .coms, all six or seven characters, all you know alphabetical. Uh, you know, so lots of kind of what appear to be semi-random strings uh, in the registration activity. And then a, a lot of those, a bulk of those domains are tied to uh, what look to be virtual private servers or dedicated hosts. So from like, you know, we can get like from the big, hey, here are the domains we ought to block. You know, I tend to think of them as also behavioral indicators. So who do folks like to register with? Who do folks like to host with? So in this case, lots of registrations down to a domain. These were registered with all with Namecheap. Uh, and then from the dedicated infrastructure, look primarily to be on LeaseWeb uh, from the, like the hosting side of things. So where those IPv4 lives or IPv4s live and who owns them. Um, so, you know, we got .coms registered through Namecheap, hosted on dedicated servers with LeaseWeb. Um, you know, that's all good and interesting for us. And then each of those registrations, you can kind of dig in and see, um, you know, activity timelines within our passive DNS partner data from uh, our friends uh, at Farsight here. Uh, they can look at like, hey, when were these things live? What types of subdomains did they utilize? Uh, which can give us some kind of indicators of what they might've been up to. Yes, Taylor. And you mentioned this a little bit just a minute ago, but I'm curious mm -hmm. if there are any patterns in the um, entropy of the domains themselves, or do they appear to just be, um, oh, correct me if I'm in, wrong here, is it high entropy when to describe when um, a combination of, of letters looks more randomized? Is that right, Tim? Yeah, yeah. entropy, entropy is the randomness. Yeah, the, I'd say these are not, you know, they're, they're not like um, DGAs that are just complete gibberish. Um, you know, they, they generally have a number, like they'll have vowels and consonants in the right spots for things that should be words, right? So they're not um, just complete gibberish. There's no numbers involved. Uh, they're not like UUIDs or anything. I uh, randomly, you know, it's, I'm sure they're generated on some level, but they're made to kind of uh, at least look like words on some level. Are we sure they weren't just wordle guesses? Can they we were confirm? all wordle guesses, yes. <laughs> yes. yes the, they keep hitting that that six, and then the, then they open up another browser tab and they try it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's how they've ended up with these 98 domains. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be crazy if we started seeing that pattern connected to Wordle and um, domain registration? That would be a fascinating intersection of. Maybe we culture. need to do like an IOC Wordle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can kind of randomly guess uh, a phishing domain every day. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that would be fascinating because it would be like flipping what your brain is trying to do with that game on its head. Yeah. Um, excellent. And uh, Taylor, I don't know if you've had a moment to look at this, but have there been any other reports or domains that you've seen outside of this list that have been tied to Conti? Yeah, there are some like, so here's the one thing we should say that at least the, the CISA team did not just come out and say, hey, these are all Conti, right? What they said is like, hey, these things kind of look like they could be Conti. So my guess is that some of these certainly are, then the others are things that they discovered that are so similar in terms of their registration and naming patterns, their hosting patterns, that they almost have to be tied to it. But it, it is possible that some of these were not you know, caught in the act per se, um, but were caught by doing the type of hunting that, that we, well, 
love to do ourselves inside of our iris platform or if you know you're hunting across registration data you can kind of find these patterns in the way that these things are hosted and registered interesting and and if it were you taylor mm -hmm. um, or just providing advice or recommendations to folks listening in what should they do with this list of domain names yeah i i think you know, up front, the initial reactions like, oh, I got a sinkhole to the block. I'm a, you know, right. Most of these are inactive, if not all of them are already inactive and you know, they've all been kind of doxxed, as it were. So they, they've been exposed for the, the frauds they are. Um, you know, I think really what you ought to be looking at is, again, the behavioral indicators behind the domain registration. So who do they like to do business with uh, at the registrar level? What TLD spaces do they like to live in? You know what hosting providers they like to live in, and bring those contexts, like that context, into uh, you know either things that you're triaging currently or things you're going to be triaging, right? So if we see you know a six or a seven character .com uh, registered through Namecheap and hosted on a on a what looks to be a dedicated virtual private server through dedicated virtual private server that feels like an oxymoron, uh, but let's call it some dedicated infrastructure through LeaseWeb. Uh, you know, then, hey, it's one of those things that starts to look and smell like a duck to a degree. So I, I think, you know, do we want to play whack-a-mole with these 98 domains? Yeah, it might not be a terrible idea to retro hunt and see if you've seen them um, and, and block them. But let's learn from, you know, how these folks are registering and hosting these domains and know that, you know, we, we likely aren't getting all of them in this list uh, or any other list as the, as the registrations are happening on a day-in, day-out basis for some of this stuff. But let's take a look at you know, how these folks like to run their business and, and then kind of use that context against them as we encounter their stuff in the wild. Now, have we decided as an industry to, when we're talking about people um, unfortunately committing fraud on the internet, are we going to pH that? <laughs> people do that? <laughs> I know, it's crazy, It's going right? to go out and lie to people on the internet? Like, that's a thing? Well, actually, <laughs> we'll get to our game in just a moment. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I, I guess my final question here for you, Taylor, is just how useful do you think this alert is when it comes to actionable threat intel? Yeah, look, it's better to have this stuff than to not. Um, you know, I think that when someone like CISA and the security, Secret Service will hop in and say, hey, you know, these domains got a pretty high level of confidence that these are, are, are tied to this activity. Um, you know, and this list, I should say, and we could get into it more. There's some recently registered stuff on there. Like the most recently registered domain in the list is just over a month old. The oldest one on there is just under a year old. So, you know, we are looking at you know, fairly recent activity. Um, so, it, you know, not for nothing, this this could be stuff that, that might have found its way into the logs of victims just in the last 30 to 60 days. So it could be helpful to, from that aspect, to, to go hunting for it. Um, but again, I tend to look at this stuff at the behavioral side of things. Like, okay, well, and, you know, now that I know this about the way that, that these folks are running their operations, how do I take those and then say, okay, well, the next time I see something hosted with LeaseWeb, you know, I, I ought to be thinking this to a degree, especially if it's a dedicated server and it's a .com and it's through Namecheap, right? And, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that match that, but you know, the, does, how much of that stuff intersects with your network and then how can you leverage that context there? Very well said, Taylor. And with that, let's let's rate this thing from a hoodie perspective, um, and let's let's think about this in the context of the updated information mm -hmm. here in the alert. And um, I'll send that over to you first, Tim Helming. Well, first off, 
I'm going to say like nine goodies for the expanded funding for CISA. I think that's just awesome. And, uh, um, you know, I feel very confident that they're going to use those dollars wisely. There are a lot of phenomenal people in that organization. So that's awesome. The only reason it's not 10 is because, I don't know, I feel like they should get even more probably, but but hopefully this this really helps them quite a bit. And then as far as more specifically um, this most recent report and the 98 domains and so forth, I mean, I think that's, I think it's good. I think it's helpful that they are, they're really in the public eye um, and dropping IOCs like this is one of the ways that they can be not just sort of in the news, but actually contributing into the community. But in the grand scheme of things, I also think that's sort of small. I think it's important, but I don't think it's a game changer. So that aspect, I would put it around, I don't know, like four hoodies. So if you balance those out, I'm somewhere in the six to seven goodies. I I might've said hoodies a second ago. Goodies. These are all goodies. Probably six or seven goodies. Put me down for 6.5. 6.5 goodies now in the records officially. Yes. Um, Taylor, what do you think? Yeah. You know, from the like, Hey, the funding is great. I think the, the law that is hopefully going to be signed into uh, effect regarding breach reporting to CISA is also going to be really impactful. Uh, I, I don't, you know, over the next year or so, maybe we'll start to see that impact occurring, you know, getting more public notifications of breaches around things will be helpful. It will help everyone level their game up. Uh, I think I made a joke a month or so ago saying like, oh, who's going to have more impact on uh, security postures over this year, you know, CISA or cyber insurance companies kind of requiring folks to really cross all the T's and dot the I's when it comes to um, patching, reporting and and vuln scanning, that type of thing. Um, I think that I, I made a joke around the cyber insurance thing uh, being more impactful, but this stuff kind of says, okay, well, you know, the, the government does have a, a hold of play here. They're going to step up and, and get the funding they need uh, to, to push this stuff along and to try and be kind of more impactful going forward. So maybe, maybe I was wrong to make that crack a month or so ago. Uh, um, I, I don't know, like from like this list of indicators is, it's better to have than not to have. The behavioral stuff is going to be interesting from, hey, you know, can we block these things and call it a job well done? No, never. Um, you know, from that like standpoint, the, the hoodie rating is pretty slim. I, I'm going to like five. We'll go five hoodies uh, if we kind of mash all the goodies and hoodies together for, for our friends at CISA this week. A goodie hoodie mash. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. Sounds like a good song we could write too in there somewhere. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, I I rated the uh, ninety eight the release of the ninety eight domains on the goodie scale, but you could just flip that. You could rate them as hoodies, representing the um, the danger level that Conti uh, poses. Yes, indeed, Tim and Taylor. Excellent. Well, thank you both for your contributions here, and now let's go be a part of the problem of lying to each other on the internet. Um, that Taylor had surfaced a little bit earlier. And we're going to do that with our game, Two Truths and a Lie. And so every week, one of us co-hosts reads off three article titles, two of which are actually true and one of which is a lie. And the other two co-hosts, of course, guess. It's just like a a take on that fun ice-breaking game where you get to know people through deception as a youth. And we call it Two Truths and a Lie. 
So I'm actually up this week. Um, we've got a pretty close game happening right now, I would say. Tim, you're just one point behind. You gotta be kidding. Wow. Well, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna tank that this week, but who knows? Oh, Fingers sorry, crossed. that was the first article. That's actually a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Yeah, no, you are actually very close. Um, I doubt you're gonna tank it. Let's see. Let's see. Um, are you two ready to hear the three article titles? I'm never ready. Let's just be honest. But, but I'm in last we, place, so I think I'm probably the least ready of any. We can't. Uh, we can't. Or the most. Podcast indefinitely. <laughs> Taylor is actually a hoodie shark. He's playing the long game here. He's coming in. He's short selling us, and then he's going to come in hot here at the end. All right, here you go. Here are the three article titles. Take a tour, spelled T-O-R, of Twitter and tackle Russian censorship. Next up, Russian ransomware to bypass sanctions. And finally, a cloud flare for the pragmatic. Cloudflare halts DDoS protections for those in Russia. Hmm. What was the first one again? The first one was take a tour, T-O-R, of Twitter and tackle Russian censorship. That was um, more of an alliteration than I thought or intended for it to be. Yeah, that was pretty alliterative. I I think I'm going to go with the third one. I want to think that Cloudflare did that, but I kind of think maybe they didn't. But, you know, like so often, I sort of, I hope I'm right from the point of view of getting points, and I hope I'm wrong from the point of view of the world, the world <laughs> the being world. a better place. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's the one I'll go with. Hmm. What was the second one again, Kelsey? The second one was Russian ransomware to bypass sanctions. <laughs> like it's an officially listed. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a Russian ran somewhere or mm-hmm. Russian, like rushing ransomware to bypass sanctions. Depends on which way you'd like to take the pun. So many possibilities. I'll take the second one. I... I... <laughs> Tim, we are tied. Well, we're almost tied. Tim, unfortunately, unfortunately, you are correct. <laughs> Cloudflare <laughs> actually did not halt their DDoS mitigation and protection services. They are, however, two auto brick servers that go offline in Ukraine and Russia. So a little bit the opposite. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, as it turns out, I had actually seen the story about um, that ransomware might be a a way that Russia evades sanctions. I think uh, you know that sucks. <laughs> I hope we yeah. all get. I hope we all get you know, like just step up our anti ransomware game, like by a by a quantum step during this period. Calling Alan Liska, (laughs) our ransomware expert. Um, Yes. Yeah, we got to get Alan back on the podcast, by the way. Speaking of Alan, um, we hope he'll join us here soon. Heck yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is kind of like when people do public proposals 
So <laughs> we're we're publicly proposing that you come back uh, for another episode. Um, so you have no choice. I think that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Do we it's have? A, are we making any requests to Tom Hanks this week publicly? Oh, T. Hanks. Hey, uh, Tom, can you use your, you know, influence and social network to make sure that Alan Liska joins us for an episode of Breaking Badness? Please, well, they go T. Back, Hanks. You. So they. Yeah. I mean, they're both great people. So of course, Alan and Tom. Um, so he prefers Thomas sometimes. He's a pretty formal guy. Um, but they, they get along pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, they'd be they'd be a good lineup. So You know, Tom would be opening for Alan though. Right? That that's I, the I think he'd be hierarchy. willing to do that. You know, he'd he'd thought he'd probably be he's not such an ego head, you know. I think he'd do that. I mean the other one that's not such an ego head that'd probably be fine being the uh the warm up act would be Bill Murray. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean he'd be good too. Maybe so we Bill, could do that. You know, Bill, we'd love to have you too. <laughs> Let's do that episode the first day of spring, just for for fun with Bill Murray there. Oh, that sounds like a good plan. We'll see if we can see Bill Murray's shadow. Excellent. Well, thank you all for another great episode. We'll be back. We have some. We do have some fun guest episodes coming your way, so keep an eye out for those. But we will, of course, be back next week for another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, stay safe out there, everybody. Toodaloo. Thanks, y'all. TTFN. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. Click.